Joe Gagney here, welcome you to episode number 71 of Joe vs. the World. Those of you expecting the 1995 WWF yearbook with Justin, well, we expected it too. Uh, that show got recorded. Long, long story short, there were some audio difficulties, and we're going to try again next week. But my guest today was actually on episode one some seven and a half years ago. And uh, when you make a trip to Mexico to watch Lucha and come back, then uh, you earned yourself a trip on the show. So you may know him as a curator of the Lucha blog and the Lucha wiki. He is a Cubs fan. Cubs, how you doing? Good. We, you've really been doing this for seven and a half years? We started 06. Um, yeah. We are all getting like, very old. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I was going to say, speaking, you and I have been online for quite a while because you, you used to be known as a B-show recapper. Not that you were a B-grade yourself, but you, you would recap shows like, um. I was more C plus. <laughs> You're a C plus player. Well, whatever they gave, um, Cassius Ono, whatever his grade. I was he about was that level. Yeah, that, there we go. Uh, you, uh, recorded such shows, I mean, we recapped such shows as Sunday Night Heat and Worldwide, the latter for DDT Digest, for those of you who remember the Halcyon days of, uh, I wonder if that guy still watches wrestling, and I guess not. I haven't heard from him in quite a while, but I think my email address yeah. still works for that site. Wow. Yeah. Good old days. Um, we both started watching Lucha around the same time, 2001 or so, the brief time I had Galavision. Uh, I ended up moving and not being able to get the channel, so I didn't follow it quite as much. But you went on to be pretty much the number one online resource for all things Lucha, at least at least for uh, us English-speaking people. How did this occur? This kind of stuck up on me. Cause... Yeah, because it was – I think I started watching it after you and um, Tenrir Rakib, whose name I'm pronouncing horribly, were posting <laughs> back and forth about um, watching Lucha on one of the boards – on one of the old Delphi boards we were on. Mm-hmm. And I think I, and at that point, I was like, I, I think I was just out of college and I had, or it was summer in between college and I had no job and I had no money and no car. So I was just watching whatever wrestling I could find on the TV at that point. So that was around when WCW died too. So there was a, fruit, a lot of, yeah. a lot of extra time available suddenly. So, and then I just kind of got on at a good point where, um, people were having good matches and new guys were being elevated and it worked out and it worked out from there and started doing the site because the really, as far as I knew, there wasn't that many Lucha Libre site stuff on the internet at that point. It was very undercover compared to Japan and definitely the U.S. There was more going on than I realized at the time. So it took, it was much harder to find the stuff too. So when I did find the stuff, I just thought, if I'm going to work this hard to find the stuff, I might as well put it up so other people can read it, too. Now, <laughs> you do, like, this is something I want to ask you about. Um, actually, I want to ask you about online internet lucha fandom. It seems a number of people who follow Japanese wrestling and post about it, it's pretty sizable. But it feels like I can I can count the lucha pundits on, like, two hands. And it, lucha always comes up short in the Hall of Fame. Well, discuss that later, and especially end-of-the-year voting. Do you feel like it's shortchanged, and does that bother you at all? It, it hasn't grown as much as I thought it probably I would have thought like four or five years ago. I think um, mm. because I, I think there's a lot more people paying attention to smaller promotions outside WWE than there used to be. I mean, it used to be that you could find 50 million raw recaps, but finding but the like finding an indie report was kind of a miracle. Um mm. But I, I, I think over, I think compared to how many people watch Lucha Libre um, among the general population, to it's a much smaller ratio compared to Japan or U.S. who post online. I think Lucha Libre has a big following still in Mexico, but that group isn't posting. That group isn't really posting online or just posting stuff on Facebook. And the amount of people in watch it in the U.S. aren't really as interested in communicating like we like people are used to for other groups or regions of wrestling. Yeah, like Lucha is a, it's a uh, it's, it's certainly a much bigger part of the the American culture than Japanese wrestling. Obviously, because the Hispanic population is much larger than the Japanese one. But how like how many kids shows have there been about Lucha? I can think of three off the top of my head. Yeah, because Mucha Lucha was on for a lot of years, and that's yep. why Dragon Rojo is Dragon Rojo. Really? Yeah, they got they wow. they took the gimmick 
the gimmick was inspired by the show. I think they had like a movie they did related to this TV show. And so that's why we started oh. out with this like cartoon looking mask that they ended up um, changing oh. because it did kind of work for bumps or, or stuff. But, but there's, but Lutra Libre shows up and everything. I think people really like the idea of Lutra Libre and the masks and the luchadors kind of style. But there, as far as following the individual people outside like Santo, I don't think it really gets, as closely followed as other places. Yeah, I remember um, Nickelodeon had a show not too long ago, and I think I think Fox had a live action show that was just horrendous. Yeah, I think it was just called Los Luchadors. It was like way back. It was like two thousand or so. Yeah, I'm gonna look it up right now. Yeah, I just I just remember it was so lame because like the good guys finishers were like um, a Mahistral cradle and uh, an arm bar because they didn't want kids jumping off the sofa. I guess imitating these people. So it was Negro Casas and Blue Pants. <laughs> Just the worst versions of them ever, yes. Oh, no. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, and pretty much every actor just has their name is in red, indicating they don't even have a Wikipedia page. That's Except for the female lead. What's she done? Oh, she's on Falling Skies. How about that? Oh, she did a lot. Huh. How about that? What do you know? People get certain shows, guess. I guess. Yeah. I guess. So, like... How much how much work goes into the site? Like, how, it seems like it's, it's your job with uh, like you, you you do the Twitter. There's a lot of posts. You do like several postings a day. You recap everything. You know you do news. Like I I don't know if you want to answer this question, but uh, like how much work goes into it? Way too much. Um, yeah. Uh, some stuff doesn't take as long. Um, some stuff, but like the recaps and stuff. Because of the trip to Mexico and being sick when I got back, I have like four weeks of TV to watch in like one week, and it's just mm. it's just crazy amount of time. But but then some stuff, it's just it's it like the news, the news posts are kind of like something where I I don't even know how long it takes because I'm usually looking at like a news reader during the day and I see I'm looking at like. 20 different links that pulls up and, I'm, and I find like two maybe I want to use or 18 I don't want to use. And then, but then I just don't look, but that just takes a couple minutes and then I don't come back to it for another few hours and there's more little stuff. So it's a little, you know, five minutes here, five minutes there kind of thing until I just put it together. So I, I don't really have a good idea, but I know it's, it's probably enough to count as a um, part-time job if it was actually a paying position. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Do you, feel, do you just feel the kind of sense that this is your duty? Like, if you don't do this, no one else will? I, that kind of thing. I feel like there would be a whole lot of interesting stuff missed if I didn't do it. I think there would mm. be some stuff that would be covered, but it, but it would just be – but the, the but there would be stuff that would just slip through or just wouldn't get exposed to as many people if I didn't um, – wasn't following it and wasn't sharing it. I know whenever there's a new Observer posted, the thread on the F4W board, you usually chime in pretty quickly with about six corrections for Dave. <laughs> yeah, I, I tried to get out of it, stop doing it for a while, because I didn't think it was really solving anything, and I thought it was sort of being, and I was trying, it was just too critical. But then something would go, something crazy that looked like it was just something someone told him, and he didn't really think about it, would get posted, and I just couldn't tear myself away from posting the comment there, so... It's a bad yeah. habit at this point. <laughs> I, no, it's, it's a. I, as soon as that uh, gets posted, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see what Cubs has to say. It's like, no, Hooventude's been back since August. Yeah. Or was it April? I'm not even sure. It, it was August, but it, it's just, okay. it's just, it's just, you know, it, it, sometimes it's like he, he wrote it three weeks ago, but he completely forgot about it by the time he, and it, mm-hmm. he wrote, wrote it again. But that happens with a lot of different sections when you're trying to keep when you're trying to juggle so many different new stories and promotions. You just kind of forget about those things. Yeah, Dave's trying to do what you do with the Lucha blog for, like, everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, and he has a broken foot. We'll cut him some slack. Yeah. Um, it's the painkillers getting to him. <laughs> the opinions expressed on no. this show. Not that. Um, all right, I, I, back when we watched Galavision, there was, we only had the three-hour block for CMLL and AAA, and, and that was it. And I remember, like, when they would introduce a CMLL show, the announcer would be talking. There'd be, like, an undercard match going on in the background. And it, it looked really cool, but we would, like, never see these people. We'd always be subjected to, like, you know, bulldog matches and whatnot. Yes. And 
and like and now there's oh, like seems like everything made like there's so much TV, so many links get posted. Was this always the case, or has like cable expanded? What's um no it, what happened? It's here? really like since 2005, 2006, they started getting more TV shows. They add the um, Guerrero's Del Ring show for um, 52 MX, which airs in the U.S. some places, and the Fox show soon after. I, I, I think they just found out that they could sell TV shows to small networks and make some extra cash. So then they just started selling everything that was possible to the point today where the Sunday show airs – of the three shows that they run, the Sunday show airs complete on the Internet and then again partly on TV – the Friday show airs half on the internet and half on TV, and the Tuesday show could air all all on the TV, but they just like they they skip a match and go take a like a dinner break in the middle. I think. <laughs> so I mean, I re- it's it, it's it's so much different than it was when I started following it because, like you said, some weeks it would be the three hour show and we'd see an undercard match only in highlights and there would be yeah there would be people we'd see on the lineups every week, but we'd ne- we'd see them like twice a year if we were lucky. Yeah, like a Sangre Azteca or something like that. And in some weeks, because of whatever Galvision was doing, it would be cut down and we'd have like one match for the whole week. And now, <laughs> on most weeks, there's only one match we miss. And we can get more stuff from like Pablo or even smaller promotions. It's The volume is just exponentially grown. Which is only beneficial, I think, because there are a lot of cool... A lot of my favorite stuff is undercard CMLL guys, you... uh you wouldn't get a chance to see otherwise, or you'd see in a seller moment countdown. It, it, yeah, there's a lot of got you get to see a lot more. I think in some ways it also kind of exposes the product because these are guys are doing matches where they're the equivalent to a Japan uh, a Japanese promotion doing their middle of the tour matches where they're going from city to city and they're just they're, they're taking it down the level. Yeah, so they're doing a routine match, but. When you see the routine match on three different shows a week, it kind of it hurts your kind of feeling about the guys. And then you do get to see the younger guys a lot earlier that, than you would have been able to see in the old way, in the old system. But mm. sometimes you get to see them when they're still – they're not really ready for TV, but they're out there still. Some guys, it, I think it's hurt their impression because people have seen them too soon. But then that's also for them – for CML putting them out there too soon. But then I think some guys – like the Super Halcon Hombre Ballot team have mm. have really ex- have were, came on and they weren't very good, but they got a lot better and people got to see that they got a lot better because those matches were airing where they wouldn't have aired in years before. Yes, the guys who dress like the Hurricane. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember them. Um, all right, we're going to get into the trip in a second, but I want to get your uh, your lay of the land in Lucha. Like, what's your favorite? Lucha promotions, like CMLL, AAA, IWRG, is it just kind of depends on who's doing what at the moment? It kind of depends on who's doing what. I think you can find – I think CMLL, you can find good stuff in it, and you can find a lot of boring, run-of-the-mill stuff. I think IWRG can have a lot of really great stuff, but then people can just randomly disappear off the face of the earth at any time, so it's kind of frustrating to follow. And then AAA – has really, really, has some of the great, probably the best undercard stuff, but because they're planning this move to the U.S. and they've got big plans for the future, they're kind of, they've been running in place a lot for this year, and it's been kind of frustrating to follow. Mm. Yeah, so I didn't mean to snicker when uh, you said they'd be coming to the United States, <laughs> but we've heard that song and dance for a while, but hopefully, I mean, hey, I hope so. I hope they come, uh, you know. You didn't get a chance to see a AAA show officially in Mexico, but maybe they'll come right to Chicago. Yeah, I, I told people that I would go to the first AAA show in the U.S., wherever it was. But I also told mm-hmm. these people like four years ago, because that's when they said they were coming. So <laughs> I'm not sure if my promise is still good there. But, you know, this, this is going to be an interesting year because they, cause they, talk, they do say this every year, even though they'll yeah. come back and deny it later on. But they put so much into hyping that they're definitely coming in 2014, that they're going to have to either they're going to have to show up or they're going to have to come up with a great, great cover story. So either way, we're a winner. Do we know if Triple are they going to uh, try an IP view again? Because they have the uh, Heroes Immortale show coming up. Have you heard anything on that? I, I, I that, given that lineup, they're definitely not going to try it for that. I think <laughs> I, I, there, there's always the chance they could try it for the year-end show, especially if they're doing something that'll lead into the U.S. Because that's going to happen about the same week that the U.S. TV show is supposedly going to start airing. 
But I think the, the best bet is that they'll try again for next year's Triple Mania. All right, now, uh, CMLL has lost their uh, official, the Televisa television spot, which is, in a way, very beneficial for us because we get awesome streaming shows every Friday night, which has yeah. become my new tradition of a couple CMLL undercard matches. But uh, is this is this really bad for them? You hear that, you know, they own their buildings and uh, they can't, you know, they always make money on shows they run there. So is this, uh, should we be worried here? What's, what's, what's their outlook? Uh, you know, I'm concerned, especially after the anniversary show, because what CML needs to do is create new stars to the audience. And at the anniversary star show, it was very clear that to the audience that the extra audience that showed up to that show, Somber and Volador, weren't that level of stars, that they weren't close to Atlantis and Ultimo Guerrero. And that was when they still, they just had left TV at that point. And it's going to be hard to do when they don't have Televisa. They still have an over-the-air channel, um, over-the-air show on Cadena Trace that people in Mexico City can get and is broadcast elsewhere. And if you have cable, you can get a whole bunch of more CML. But I think telev- that's one of the dominant networks in Mexico, and it's it, it's a big loss for them not to be not to be on it. I I, I think I think they'll just try to they'll just ignore it and. They, I saw the Observer said that they could pay to get back onto it, and it seems like CML is just content going that they don't need any help, that they can just get guys over on their own. But I think if they're looking to create their next big star, they need to be people. They need mm. to see, they need people to stumble upon them and, and get yeah. drawn in, and that's hard to do when you have when you're just on um, hard to find channels. Wow, that's yeah, that's pay to be on television. I wonder. I mean, that's that's an old kind of syndication model. Well, this this would be like paying to be on like CBS or something, right? Right. I mean, the, te- wow. the deal with Televisa is that they have three different channels, and this is the third most important one. So maybe mm. maybe it's okay. not a big payment, but it would still it it, it would it still seems like that's something that would cost them a fair bit of money. Hmm. Well. They're, uh, I don't know, they're, my, they're still my favorite. Like, there's been a lot of talk about the two out of three false format, how it's all, it's outdated, they need to move on. I don't know, I still like it. It seems like it, it gives a good, I mean, I, I wish they'd do more, of, um, they'd vary it more, maybe have more matches go just two falls. But I don't know, I just, it makes it different, and I think when you format it right, it tells a good, it, it has a good flow, it tells a good story, I, I still dig it. Yeah, you know. I, I'm always amused when I hear about that because it, it's not like all of Mexico is turned to one fall and it's just CMLL. On like yeah. every AAA house show, they, they're still doing two out of three falls. <laughs> every wow. every other promotion still pretty much does two out of three falls. So I, I I think that's still what the people are used to, and I don't think it's going anywhere. I I like it because part of the attraction of Lucha Libre is that you have all the these weird. Lucha Libre submission holds and weird finishes, and you get to see those in two out of three falls, where AAA, you're only going to see one guy do one move at the end. You're going to see a lot of guys do moves before then, but you're not going to see one crazy winning, you're only going to see one crazy winning move in the, their matches. Yeah, I always love it when, uh, when end of a fall, like one guy, you know, power bombs a guy and pins it, and the other two guys meet, and you know whatever it is is going to be the finish, so yes. he could just like, you know, he could look at the guy weird and he'd give up. Or... Momentum is so very important. Which really <laughs> it great. certainly is. I don't know. I, I get a kick. I still love it. But yeah. all right, on to the trip. You did. Uh, you did daily podcasts uh, recapping it. I don't want to repeat too much, but I have questions. Okay. Uh, has a trip to Mexico always been in the back of your mind? Because I, I know, like Lucha Stars used to come to your your town before. I don't mean. Like you had to drive three hours to see them. Like they came to your town. Yeah. Like where you like Doctor Wagner and I think Mystico. The original one came to your town, and I I always wonder like, would that have been enough, or did you want to go see these men in their element? I, I kind of for a while that was enough because I'd seen so many guys because just the weirdness of people coming to Chicago that mm. I didn't that I I didn't have that big list of well I've never seen um, Ultimo Guerrero I need to go see him I need to go to Mexico see him because he he, he wrestled in the gym in front of twenty people in the in the show someone had a lot of money on. But but I wanted to, if I was going to do the site the best it could be, I kind of felt like I need to go down there and experience 
experience Lucha Libre in person and go to those buildings and talk to those people as best as I could talk to anybody. And mm. and, and then the other thing was, I was, we had been talking about this for a lot of months, but it was really Volder and Sombra, two guys who I've seen. Sombra, I've seen all his career. Volder, I've seen like 95% of his career. And mm-hmm. and I've been big fans of those guys for the, the entire time. So on the odd chance that they were going to have their mass match, I really didn't want to have to listen to a radio broadcast or watch anything on the internet when I knew I could have gone there myself. So that was something I wanted to ask you about. That was a big controversy. I didn't know if that's if it was the Atlantis Ultimo Guerrero. To, I think they've had their masks combined, what, like 47 years? Something like that. Something, yeah. something yeah, something whether that was um, people were, were not happy with uh, the other mask match they got. They chanted fraud, which was not the case, but... I, I didn't know if you had felt if that was like what made you go on your trip and you were like, oh crap, what I thought was going to happen isn't going to happen. Was this actually preferable to you? This was actually, I think, preferable to me because I've been disappointed with Ultimate Guerrero's singles matches the last few years that mm. I, I kind of was not looking. I, I thought it was going to be a big historic occasion. It was going to be um, interesting to see the reactions, and I feared they would do more than what they've been doing in the other matches because it was going to be so big. But I. I would have been on the fence about going. I probably would have still ended up going, but Boulder and Sombra, it was just, those were, those were the best guys, and I didn't want to miss the best guys having the best possible match. So you were not chanting fraud? I was not. I was, I was, <laughs> I was, I was chanting, we were chanting fraud sarcastically on the way home, because it was just, mm. just, just, just to, to fit in with the crowd. But otherwise, no, I was, I was fine with the, I was really, really surprised by the outcome, but I was fine by getting that match. Now, um, Mexico has had its problems. I don't want to paint the whole country as uh, I'm sure I've heard the people were uh, all lovely to you, but it was a little, you know, there have been, I mean, some AAA guys just got robbed, I think, uh, on a bus trip. What what, what did your friends and family think of this? Because um, when I heard about it, I'm like, oh, I, I hope he's safe. And then I'm like, oh, I hope he can get me a mask. But <laughs> what, what did, like, people think when you told them this? Are they like, you're out of your head or they're... Were they more supportive? They were concerned at first, and then they were okay. But what I realized later is that they were pretending to be okay, and they were very, mm. very concerned. And so mm. they had me message them every day I was in Mexico just to let them know I was still alive. But, and she just listen to your podcast. Uh, yeah, they're, they're not quite fans of the website. They, they don't follow the website. Uh, Jeez. So this – so I – I think my family was was kind of worried about something happening there, and they were like they need certain assurances that I was going to go with people who spoke a lot better Spanish than me and knew what they were doing. But my but and my friends were kind of like expecting me to do something like this, but were still kind of surprised that I would actually do this. Hmm. Indeed, and you don't speak Spanish, even though you <laughs> watch a ton of Spanish uh, language programs. You know, I thought I spoke like maybe bad, horrible Spanish before going, but then I got there and realized, no, I really, it's not even close. I don't even speak oh. that good. I, it, there were a, a lot of points where I was, like, listening to conversations between people, and I would be catching every sixth or eighth word and kind of understanding the conversation, but it, there were also times where I just felt like I was not participating at all and it was kind of wrong for the ride. I was very happy. I had two people I was with who knew what they were doing a lot better than I knew what I was doing. Yes, you had some uh, very good guides, I guess, during uh, yeah. your stay. And if I had just ventured down to Mexico, I'm sure I would just never be heard from again. <laughs> I think I could have got around. On, I could have got to the hotel and got to the arenas back and forth, but I would have been, would have been taking like three times as long and then three times as dangerous. So mm. it's not impossible, but it, it, it is a lot more challenging. Mm. Now, it's probably a dumb question, but you were in uh, Mexico City for the entirety of your trip, right? Mexico City, and then we went out to the suburbs for a couple of shows. Okay, what's what's Mexico City like? Is it just like you know your average U.S. city? Is it? I, I don't know what the differences would be. What's it like? It, it's very, very. I want to say crowded. Maybe it's very mm-hmm. like there are no. There are very few green spaces, basically. It's like just building after building after building. Every street has people, has vendors, people selling foods, people selling clothing on the, like, what would be the sidewalk. Because 
I guess all the buildings are for people's houses or for or for or being used in some other way. So if you want to buy something, you, you there are people on the street because that's where you have room to buy stuff. There's that. It, it's very different from like a U.S. city in that you're not looking around and seeing all these brand name stores around when you're walking around cities around the city. They're all on the sidewalk. Basically. They're all small. Very, very small businesses. You can find, like, convenience stores in all over places. There's even one, like, attached to New Mexico. But there's not, like, you're not going to fi- find as many. You're going to find more, like, individual businesses rather than chains and stuff, I guess, if that makes any sense. And it's all, it's very compressed. There's a lot. There's It just seems like there's just buildings everywhere or there's roads and there are people driving badly on the roads. Hmm. Now, what did you eat during your stay? Did you have a go-to uh, meal you would consume in uh, in restaurants? Did you like seek out, you know, McDonald's if there were any there? We went to Wendy's a couple times. There's a Wendy's like two like a block down from our hotel because yeah. just to give us, especially the first day, just to um, ease us in. But then I, I thought, since at first I was going to just take like the easy stuff, but then I just thought if I'm going to be in Mexico City, I might as well try. It. Whatever strange foods and and drinks that they have here, because I probably won't, I may not get a chance to do it again. I am on vacation, so I should do that sort of thing. So I it ended up that mostly it just boiled down to a lot of different variations of tacos. I think that I had, <laughs> but but the food was was really good wherever we end up going. The drinks were the drinks. Some of the drinks I liked the rice drink we had at one place, but then some of the fruit stuff was just not so. Very it was very very sweet. I thought, and and I by the end I didn't know the names of anything I was having. The rice drink? Yes, it's, it's like it's like milk and rice. Ugh. It, it's very strange, but it tasted good. Really? I'll take your word for it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'll be having a rice drink anytime soon. They're big on rice. Uh, I was not expecting that, but they are very big on rice. Okay. Now you saw shows every day, basically. I like. What's the schedule? What's the schedule like there? I mean, are there like a ton of low-level indies like in the states you never hear about that kind of running around? Like I know CMLL runs a bunch of shows, especially in Arena Mexico. I think they ran a bunch. And like, is there just lucha everywhere? No, it was more because it was the it was the uh, the Independence Week that mm. people had the day off had the Monday that we were there off that there was more shows there and there were more shows on Saturday and Sunday that worked out that. That, and that we came in on Wednesday and we left on Wednesday and Wednesday's the deadest day. So it kind of worked out that we were around to do shows on the other day. I think you can probably find a show Thursday, Friday, Sunday, Tuesday, reliably around Mexico City. And then Saturday, there's probably an indie show if you look around for it. And then it just worked out that that Monday was a holiday show. Because originally we were going to um, take like a three-hour bus ride up to Arena Pabla, and then mm-hmm. show that doesn't start at 9, so we've been trying to find a way home at midnight from a strange city. But it worked out because that Monday it was a holiday that there were other um, shows going around that we didn't have to go as far for. So I, it, it, was, it more depends on the time of year you go and if there just happens to be a holiday on the right day that you can go to a show every day. But I think most of the times there are days that you – it wouldn't have worked out as well if we went a different week. Oh, okay. You uh you went to um I guess a student show so to speak which I only mentioned because there was a guy there named Arrow Tiger and when you talked about this on the podcast I just burst out laughing like that's the dumbest name I ever heard of like what does that mean you're what you're a flying tiger it, 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 it didn't make much sense and it <laughs> didn't really look like anything in particular it, it, I think as you get towards those lower level shows, you just get um, names that people haven't really thought through as much or just, or just haven't been, they, they just haven't done them enough to realize what dumb idea they are. But there are some like, random names that, you, that get thrown together. Yeah. Not just like silly names. Like I remember those are Shrek uh, a couple of years back, but just, yeah, like I'm going to let arrow tiger. That's always going to make me laugh. Yeah. It, it's, it's a weird one. There's a, now, everyone likes the animal names, and you just throw on an adjective to them, and sometimes it doesn't work as well. <laughs> yeah, I know there's just a tiger in CMLO right now. I'm like, well, there you go. That's just basic. Yeah. He's not white or metal or uh, 
or what have you. He's just Tiger. Yeah. Right. Easy enough. Now, um, watching the watching Lucha live um, as opposed to TV, uh, is there anything different about the experience other than someone possibly landing on top of you? I, like, I think the crowd, just being in the crowd and hearing the crowd response, because it's 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 more. On some shows, it's everyone chanting, but on other shows, it's it, it, but on every show, it's more people making remarks towards the ring, kind of even like catcalling, I guess, or maybe just heckling a little bit at times that you don't quite as get on your shows. Maybe people on your shows, it's more people making comments, so people will look at them for making the comments. But on these, it was more trying to get trying to make the wrestler turn around and have some sort of interaction with them a lot. I think the crowd was like more willing to get into matches generally than I think I've seen elsewhere. Hmm. So it's different, is it like um, like as opposed to like a WWE show you would go to. Is it more, I guess, trying to be interactive? Is the crowd's more into it. Yeah, it's it's less it's less people reacting at certain prompts that they do in the match, and more even though they do that a bit, it's more people just um, just reacting to what they're seeing as opposed to a certain moment that they do in every match, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, You went to Arena Mexico a few times. You were in the parking lot quite a bit. Uh, You were there for the huge anniversary show and another Tuesday show that drew, what, like a thousand people? Maybe. Maybe maybe not even that much. We went to the Tuesday show that drew much, and we went to the Sunday show that drew maybe a little better than that. What's it like being, I'm sure it's, you know, the anniversary show, it's packed to the gills, everyone's red hot. What's it like just being there on a random Tuesday with, like, you know, is, is it just seems so cavernous? Is it, do you have, like, whole sections to yourself? It, it, they, they sell only certain areas on the other shows. They, they know what the crowd they're getting. They even, um, mm. they, they don't tarp off seats, but they have these large kerns that come down to kind of block off the, um, the big empty sections. So it is, you do get a crowd in a small area, but you, it does feel like this giant arena with, that's only like 10, 15% fall that seems like they should have more people into it. But I don't know if it's just, we luck, if we got lucky on some of the matches or if it was just kind of, or if I'm remembering things too well, but they did, even though it was a small crowd, it was still a building that they made a decent amount of noise, so it didn't feel like an empty building. But you could, if you looked around, you could tell that this is not very close to capacity. Mm. Were there shows where they talked about you guys, like on commentary, if I remember? There was, Rob got, um, Rob Viper got um, introduced to the crowd by Jack Evans at one of the shows as his brother from Canada. That's right. Has this made uh, video at all? This made Tercera Creator that week. It was shown very, very briefly. Um, wow. I think we – and then I think there was might have been another show where we got – someone said to us. But I think we could have – I think we could have met other people, but we, we kind of didn't get around to it mm. as it was. And then uh, I didn't tri- – uh, yeah, I think we could have talked to CML people, but – and we actually shook hands with one of the announcers, but I don't know how they feel about the site, seeing as sometimes I, I was actually overall expecting more people to be annoyed with me because I've not always said nice things about people. Well, I said, but people were generally nice, but I didn't want to push my luck in some, with some people. So, like, if, you know, if you met a, a, a luchador who, you know, recognized the site and yeah. appreciated it. Do you feel like, wow, wow, or was it like, well, yeah, of course you can follow it. It's it's a really good site. Like, I, was, I can't imagine people not following it. Because, you know, as we talked about at the beginning of the conversation, it seems like there's only, like, maybe a couple dozen people who write or follow Lucia Libre. It just, every time I met someone, it stunned me that there was a person I didn't know who was reading the site and knew who I was or knew the Lucha Wiki because it it seems like, Especially when you do a blog and you you just and you're not like in some sort of community, you just put it out there. It goes text on the screen and you never hear it. And you're off in the real world where no one's ever talking to you about this. So it was, yeah. it was just it was just strange to find out that it was strange. It was also gratifying to, to go out and see that people were actually reading what you were doing and that they enjoyed it and they liked this part and they thought this part was good and they want more of this. It was just it was very. 
it was very different than what I'm used to. Hmm. And uh, speaking of Rob Viper, you spent the week with him and lived to tell the tale. He's not as angry in person. No, I met him at WrestleCon. He was he was uh, he was pretty chill. I was almost I was almost disappointed. Yeah. He was I expected you know a complete maniac, but he's just like, hey, I'm Rob. How you doing? And his uh, his Canadian accent, and it was um, yeah. So he was your uh, traveling buddy, I guess. And uh, what's it like to see a lucha show with uh, with one Rob Viper? He he was very very excited. He was very. He had a good time at all the shows. He, he probably even more than I did. He was just very into wherever we went, enjoying Lucha Libre and enjoying what he was seeing and marking out for dives or for different spots or for different stuff in the match. I think he he I'm I know for a fact he's going back and probably going back real soon because he just had a great time going to all these shows. Mm. Now you saw. Uh over a hundred luchadors during your trip. I think that was just the IWL show. You yes. crossed that mark. Yes. Um, was there anyone you didn't see for one reason or another that you regretted? Like someone who just, I don't like Ray Bucanero, I think was in Japan during that time. Right. And then, and I've seen him somehow before. Okay. Um, Probably in your town. Yeah. Um, I can't, there's no one, no one that immediately comes to mind. There, I guess there are guys on the AAA side that we, yeah, Phoenix was in, um, was in Japan at that time too, and I would have liked to see him and Pentagon Jr. and those guys. So I think it was more the since we only saw part of the AAA roster on the one show that was kind of using their talent, we kind of missed out on seeing those guys. But I think we got to see a lot of people I would want to see. There are more people. There are people in CML we didn't see, but wasn't it because of the anniversary show we got to see most of them? So hmm. it worked out pretty well. Yeah, you you hit all the big names on the anniversary show. Maybe you didn't see like a chameleon on the undercard. I didn't see a chameleon. You know? I, I mean, I could see like a Triton. I didn't could see there are probably other guys that I like that I didn't could see a lot, or I didn't get to see a lot of because they mm. were on like the Tuesday show and everyone was taking it down five notches on that show. Yeah, but but I got the, I got to see a, just a wide swath of people. Yeah, you know, and then like on the IWL show, I got to see like Super Crazy, but I got to see Super Crazy for about three minutes in the wacky layer match with 12 other people. So I, I definitely wouldn't mind going back to see more of some of these people. Mm. You could see just incredible. <laughs> yes. That was no, no offense to just incredible. It just seems a strange place for him to pop up. It was a strange fist, but you know, back in the day, back when the DDT Jive just days, I was a big fan of just incredible. So well, there you go. So, Full circle. And you know, I enjoyed his match with great Suzuki. So he had, he obviously had big experience <laughs> against people. Trademark Joey style. <laughs> so right. it, it, just, it was disappointing he didn't do as well here. Well, it was, he's at a disadvantage because his main move is uh, is banned. Yeah, it, it's totally banned. So he, he really had to come up with something different there, and he just couldn't in time. Now, one of the men he, he fought was Kanek, who is like this this huge legend. He's the first ballot Hall of Famer. Were you like, were you like wow, I'm seeing Kanek live? Or Kanek is also as old as my retired dad, by the way. Or is it just like, oh, Kanek, because he's, you know, it's not – it's not the same as seeing him in like 1983, so to speak. It was more, oh, it's Knack, because I, I've seen him <laughs> on TV and he can't really move at this point. So I'm kind of like, I, if this was Knack uh, doing like a retirement match or doing one big last match, that would have been interesting. But at this point, he, there's a lot of, I think the pro, so one of the problems with like the Indie Lucha Libre is that there's a lot of old guys just kind of hanging around to get more paydays and more credit to them if they can get paydays. But, it's it. They're not really in as good a shape as they were years ago. <laughs> Perhaps. Not. No. Pity Mil. Oh, Pity uh, Mil Mascaris wasn't uh, competing on these on any shows. No, but there was an autograph signing that we could have gone to with him, but we we were doing something else that was at the day of the anniversary show. Oh, what a shame. Yeah. If his name wasn't at the top of the poster, he probably would have turned around and left. No, it was at the Blue Demon store, so I wonder if they made him put change it to the Mill Master store. <laughs> Blue Demon, that's right. Oh, he's the Blue Demon Jr. still kicking around? Yeah, I didn't see him, but I'm sure he was around someplace. He was a guy, I, I didn't like him like 12 years ago. I can't even fathom he, he, right now what it must be. He he had one good match earlier this year, and then they thought that he could have some better, ma- some more good matches, and that hasn't worked out yet. But but maybe maybe at some point he'll have another good match. 
He's mess- is he in San- uh, Santos promotion? He was in Santos promotion, and then he showed up in AAA, and now he's just nowhere at the moment. So I don't know what the deal is. Oh, all right. So uh, let's see here. Tell- oh, you picked me up a uh, Sombra mask, which I am eternally grateful for. Um, I'm just wondering, are, are masks, like, plentiful? Like, if I wanted a uh, Soberano Jr. or Angel de Oro mask, are they around, or is it like the WWE, where the top guys dominate the merchandise, and if you're, like, a Justin Gabriel, maybe you get an action figure? If you go inside Arena Mexico, if you wait to get to their merchandise store, it is very, very limited about which guys have merchandise and what kind of merchandise, but like every place else in Mexico City, they have Outside the building, they have plenty of stores and they have vendors and small stands around, and you can find pretty much every everyone's mask if you walk around and look at the different stands far enough. I think maybe the very opening match guys like Silver Under Jr. may not have their mask out there, but a guy like Angel De Oro, I saw, I remember seeing at three or four different stands. They have T-shirts, they have stickers, they have little dolls, all sorts of different artwork. So. There's a lot of variety of stuff if you look around, just around Maria, Mexico, and there's other places we were told that we could go and we could find stuff, but just around the buildings, usually there's, no matter what what building it is, if there's a Lucha Libre show running it, there's usually two or three different people selling masks outside. Interesting. Now, what'd you get for yourself on the trip? Actually, the only thing I got for myself, I got, like, posters and old magazines, but yeah. as far as merchandise, I got a Guerrero Meyer sticker that I was going to put on my computer, <laughs> but I have no idea where I put it. I need to track that down. And still, oh. I just finally got around to unpacking, like, last weekend. So it may still be in my backpack someplace. Oh. I just would have stocked up on masks because they were, you know, good quality for a real good price, it seemed like. Yeah, and they had they had many different kinds. It's more I just didn't want to have a whole bunch of stuff that I had to figure out where I'm going to put later. So I thought yeah. the sticker was something I could just stick on my computer, but I should have just done that while I was in Mexico, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Is he your uh, is he your favorite right now? I, I think he might be. I, I just really like his mask. I think his mask is really cool. So that's that's one of the big reasons I got it. All right. This is uh, it's big question time. Okay. Are, are you going back? And if so, when? Uh, people... We're trying to convince me to go back. I was, I was also trying to. It wasn't. I didn't want to make a decision until I got back and I saw mm-hmm. um, how people reacted to me going on that trip, um, family-wise, and they seemed generally okay that I came back in one piece. But, <laughs> but I would hope so. But the trip was also um, was also so good. It's kind of one of those things where it, it's probably not going to be as good next time I go. So do I want to go back and have yeah. and have a lesser thing? But on the other hand, I did have fun with the people I went with, and I would mm-hmm. like to hang out with them again. So I, 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 if I'm going to go, it's probably going to be about the same time next year. I'm thinking. So I'm just waiting. I'm just not even thinking about making a decision until it gets a lot closer to next September. Now let's say they say, "Hey, we're going to do Atlantis Ultimo Guerrero mask match. No fooling for real this time. We're going to do it in." Uh uh, March. Is that enough to get you back right away, or are you going to save it for the anniversary show? I would have to really think about it. It may be a situation where even I could go, if I went again for just uh, something in March, maybe something where i just go for a couple days and go to the show and then come back, but I would really have to think if I wanted to just go to see that match. It would be very tempting. Hmm. So the, there's no one event where you're like, I have to be there for that. Not that I can think of, but hopefully they will come up with something like that between now now and whenever. Well, thankfully you have um, – I just saw you, the Lucha blog posted that there's a, like a Lucha indie show in Chicago coming soon. I think Skyda on it. Like, yeah. Is there any reason Chicago – because like, AAA ran in Chicago once too, right, or a couple times? I think a couple times in the mid-90s. Any reason, like Los Angeles, I can certainly understand uh, why is Chicago a, a lucha hotbed. I, I, I think because because there's a big Latino population, in, especially in the city and in the suburbs, that makes it attractive. And I think there are people who have not just um, 
potential fans, but former wrestlers who have moved from Mexico City to Chicago. So it's as much about having that pipeline to get the guys in as is finding people that actually come to the show. And there are a few, like Discovery, who used to be in AAA, Guerrero Del Futuro, who used to be in CML. Older guys have just ended up in Chicago and been able to get those contacts to make those shows happen. Hmm. Interesting. All right, so big thumbs up for the trip. What was the best match you saw in your week there? I think it has to be the Volar Sombra mass match. I haven't watched mm-hmm. rewatched it yet. I'm going to rewatch it either today or tomorrow. But that's at the time, I thought that was a disappointing match compared to some of the other matches they've had this year. But I'm warming back up to it just thinking about it again because considering the situation they were in, I think they had – they did as great as possible a match, and it was just the historic match. I'm never going to forget that match. So Yeah. I think it's one thing when the crowd's dead or not making as much noise as you like. It's another when they're openly hostile towards you and what you're doing through no then, fault of your own, really. And and then you get them back at, by the end of the match. That's, that's yeah. a big achievement. And uh, last thing, was there anyone who, like – really impressed you seeing them live, like, oh, I appreciate this person on a much greater level than I did just watching them on my computer screen. I, I think it's a random choice, but Tony Rivera, who used to be in CML, is now hanging around in the Indies, who, who was like a Technico forever and ever as the as the good guy, um, the good-looking guy who won a lot of hero matches but really never got past the mid-guard. He, mm-hmm. he was so awesome as... Uh, as a Rudo on the IWRG show we went to. And he was just as a personality, he was great. And he had, he worked great as, as a, as a Rudo playing off the guys and doing his moves and complaining and asking for police help against these mean technicos. <laughs> so he, he, he showed so much more personality than I ever gave him credit for. That was it was something I might not even been able to pick up on TV because a lot of it was interaction with the crowd and TV's not always great picking that up. But mm. it, was, it was it was very surprising. There, there were some guys like that where they played to the crowd or they were more charismatic that that you could pick up on live that just didn't, doesn't come as cross as well on TV. Okay, and. Uh... Moving off, the last thing I want to talk to you about, uh, you are a voter in the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. Somehow. Coming to you. Somehow. I am, uh, I am not. My, my research in the uh, history of wrestling video games has gone unrecognized. I don't understand, but all right, fine, whatever. Uh, the Lucha ballot is stacked this year. Do you care to reveal who you voted for? And uh, if not, who do you think would go in from the, uh, the Lucha side? Well, I will say that as of this moment, I have not actually sent a ballot in. So I probably Oops. should get on that. I guess I have till Saturday. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, because I don't, I, you know, as we talked about, I, I watched, I've watched and I watched uh, U.S. wrestling and I've watched, so I have some familiarity with that, but I don't really care to research all the names on the U.S. ballot. So the only thing I do is vote in the Lucha section. So that means I, I usually have like, Ten votes for about twelve different candidates. <laughs> okay. So, so my so my bar to vote for people is a lot lower because I just can you know throw them all around. So I think my plan right now is that I would vote for Atlantis, for CN Cars, for Blue Panther, for LA Park, for Hurricane Ramirez, for Volano Three, for Doctor Wagner Senior for sure, and then I still need to figure out if I'm going to vote for Doctor Wagner Junior and Carlos Carlos. Carlos Lagarde. Um, so really, it's easier if I say who I don't vote for. I know. I think it's Vampiro and Hector Garza did not make the cut. Yeah, and Garza didn't just did not seem like Garza had a long career, but never seemed like he was big enough star. Yeah, to consider it. And Vampiro had a really high peak, but the the rest of his career is just kind of like there are very there are a lot of missing pieces to his career. I don't know, he's got that Ghost Hunter show, and, uh, you know, given some of the BS reasons some people pull out for some of their candidates they just want to vote for, that's probably not the worst uh, reason. He, he was also going crazy on Twitter, I think, last night, too. So that, uh, oh, those, good. that's a good Hall – some good Hall of Fame tweets, Hall of Fame-level tweets there. Hall of Fame-level tweets. Okay, well, hopefully we'll see uh, on my mock ballot as I voted for people. I think I had uh, 
I had, uh, let's see, I think I had, did I have a, oh, I had Dr. Wagner Sr. for sure. Uh, I had Ellie Park. I think I had Blue Panther, just cause, just cause. Yeah. And, um, I feel bad. Uh, you hear people talk about Cien Caras and how he's, you know, was in the two biggest gate matches of all time in Mexico, at least for, for a while. I'm like, oh, that's probably a good point. And it's hard because there, there isn't really, like, you can't go to YouTube and I'm going to look up some Dr. Wagner senior matches, and you just can't do it, and it's just, I don't know, it's tough. Yeah, there's, like, maybe one match of his, one or two matches of him <laughs> that just have survived. That, that's yeah. uh, is that you're looking, you're stuck on historical record and um, what people say about him. And, and there is some sentiment that Dr. Wagner senior was more uh, a Rudo, an upper-level Rudo in, in the vein of Averno, who was more responsible for getting guys over, but wasn't a big star on his own. But mm. he, it, it looks to me more that he was more... I, first of all, I think Averno is like kind of very important in the scheme of things. And, uh, oh, yeah. And I think um, Dr. Wagner Sr. was uh, just a very key part of what they were doing for a lot of years. I think if you took him out, they would have been a big hole. I, I, I wish my case was a little more developed than that, but I, <laughs> but I think I, I think he's... I think he's a, just a historically important um, person there. I think the larger portion, and people bring this all the time, is that there's a lot of good candidates for the Lucha section, and it would be just good if some of them actually went through instead of just being recycled year after year, close mm. but not getting in. Mm. Now, I would have thought Dr. Wagner Jr. would have been a uh, – you seemed a little uh, iffy on him. I thought he would have – I don't know. You see a guy who has been – Headliner for what, like decades. It just seemed like it would be stronger than what you uh, your original thoughts. I, I think because he, he he really didn't take off as like a top guy since 2004. After that, he was a guy that was involved with stuff and also in Japan, but never something that they really built around until his father died and they had that four way mass match where he became a central piece. And then it was like the most recent years where he really became the big draw. And mm. I, I think you can say, <coughs> excuse me, that that he has not always made the greatest decisions. Sometimes he made good decisions. He made good decisions to go to AAA and be a big star there. But leaving it and going off to the Indies and not being able to be a big deal on his own, especially like he, he wasn't a big draw for Santos promotion and his work with LA Park of late hasn't really got the people like it used to be that mm. there's a little bit of question if it was just if he wasn't big enough star for a long enough time to be considered. But he was also a really good wrestler for large portions of his career. So I go back and forth. And also, I'm not sure. I know I have 10 votes, but using 10 votes on like 12 people, it kind of seems like it's cheating somehow. So yeah. I, I have to... I have to think about that, but I have a whole two, th- two days to think about it. So There you go. You have uh, to work through decades of, uh, of research. Yeah, no problem. All right. Last, um, actually, no, there's something else I want to talk to you about. Speaking of, uh, uh, I think um, I'd read that Dr. Wagner Jr., his efforts in, in New Japan and, and the year he went to the finals of the best of the Super Juniors kind of bolstered him. And with the ongoing CMLL New Japan relationship, is CMLL getting a lot out of it? I mean, New Japan gets to send guys, young guys there. It's the basic story. They get to work, get better, go back. And they'll send guys on occasion. Does that, I mean, you know, they send, uh, you know, um, like a, a Tanahashi or an Ishii. Does that mean anything in the grand scheme for attendance or, or television or anything? And occasionally, if done right, it can help make guys seem bigger stars. I think possibly the most useful Ujiro has been in the last couple of years was um, <laughs> putting over Rush and Terrible because those were both good feuds when he was in Mexico. And then the um, Nakamura, Nakamura, I'm giving my name, yeah, Nakamura match with Sombra, where Sombra beat him in Mexico. Was mm. seemed like something that would make him a bigger star. It, it hasn't turned out that way, but I, I don't think the guys going to Japan have really generally worked out too well to build them up there because they're treated as mid card guys at best. And then there's a lot of guys who seem like they're sent to Mexico just to keep the partnership going, so they come for a month. But CML has no real plan on using them, and they just kind of appear. 
have a few matches disappear and makes the whole specialness of some an outsider come in coming in seem less important. I, w- I wish they had better plans and had had people for either they had better plans and use people for longer amounts so they got time to build up to something or that they had more variety of guys that they were bringing in. If they brought it, if they looked outside Japan and brought in like a random U.S. guy for three months and built him up to something where they could have the U.S. guy lose where the Japanese fan might not be as helpful. The whole idea of bringing foreigners might work a little better, but I think it's a nice, it's probably also a nice little revenue source for CML and that's probably what they're concerned about. Mm. But as far as big deal, it's a small deal. It's a nice deal, but I don't think it's helped them a lot. So coming in fourth place in your block and the best of the super juniors isn't really a, no, Driving the hometown fans nuts. No, but they do the they do the the usual foreign thing where they talk about the wins they get the first three weeks, and then they start the first three gate matches, and they they forget to write about the rest of the match. <laughs> <laughs> they just kind of you know trail off like well you know uh, the end. Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed um, the old observer that went up I think this week where the, the, the Japanese reporters explained that. Great Sasuke lost to Negrocasas because he couldn't handle the smog and the high altitude. Otherwise, he would totally have won. (laughs) That kind of stuff still happens kind of both ways. Oh, I love it. Well, all right, we're going to – actually, uh, I just want to know. uh, The Cubs fired the coach, uh, Dale Svem. If I, I've probably butchered that. I don't care. Uh, I remember Dale from his time in Boston where he was a terrible third base coach. So I don't know why they thought bringing him in to run the team uh, was uh, was a good idea. But um, how the Cubs how the Cubs looking these days? They're still – the surprising thing was no matter who's going to be the manager next year, they're probably still going to be bad. So it was there wasn't really a big need. It wasn't like a man, they were a manager away from winning – 85 games, they're, they're going to struggle to win 70 like they have the last few years. So it was kind of a thing where someone needed to be a fall guy about their big, the, guy, the guys they brought up so far not turning out well, going backwards. But whoever takes that position is probably stuck for at least one year, maybe two years of the team not being any good. Um, but maybe that second or third year, they'll actually walk into something where the, the next wave of prospects come up and they'll actually be good. I, I don't think they had I think they need a guy to keep the, the seat warm, and that's why they brought in Svam instead of someone who might be a little bit better or had more experience. And that Svam was hoping that he would be able to survive two years, and then the team would turn around the third year, and it would be good enough that he got kept around. But I think everyone going to it knew that there was a distinct possibility that this was just the fall guy being brought in, and then he would get cut to save, so that they wouldn't have to do anything more serious at, that, at this point. That's a shame. All right, well, I implore everyone to check out the Lucha blog. The information there is staggering. There are at least a couple updates a day. Um, Cubs writes the best captions for uh, for GIFs, or GIFs, however you pronounce it. That's, uh, a, that's also the other thing why I might not go to Mexico City, because as soon as when I was there, I had a few days of posts already written, but then the content drifted off and everything. As it was told to me, it was the website was very, very less exciting while I was in Mexico City. So I'm not sure I can do that to my readers again. If I go to Mexico oh, City, yeah. I had to find some better solution. My, my favorite... Uh, Caption. There was like there was two female wrestlers, and one went to whip the other into the ropes. The one being whipped thought she would reverse it, but then so she started to turn, but she realized she wasn't holding on anymore, so she just kind of twirled into the ropes. And you just wrote no. <laughs> yes, just, just what I'm thinking watching some of these matches. The matches are especially trying. Mm, so uh, definitely check it out. And the, you can get, I get so lost in the Lucha Wiki. I'll just see, I'll just pull up some guy's uh, record in, um, you know, hair mask matches, and I'll just click links like, well, who's this guy? And like, oh, he used to be this guy, or he became this guy, and uh, and all that. It's just super, highly, highly recommended. And uh, are you ever gonna bring back the the Como Estas uh, little podcast there? Uh, I don't. Uh, the plan is probably not because it was just something that was really easy to do when you had two people or three pe- two three people with one person who wasn't talking in a room and you just mm. put the phone down and hit record. Uh, it's always possible, but it, it's just it's tough to figure since I do so much writing for the website. Stuff for what else I need to talk about once I get done writing that stuff, and I don't want to do 
Um, I don't want to do a repeat of what I'm already writing. I think we did a podcast before, and the other guy who worked on it worked very hard, but it felt like I was just doing what I was doing over again. And I, if I want to add something different if I'm going to do a podcast, and I just haven't figured out how I'm going to do that yet. Mm. I don't know. I like little recaps of, like, the Arena Mexico Friday shows, like Saturday morning. I'd enjoy listening to that. I'm just piling on work for you, too. It's not like you do enough. Yeah. If, if I, I'm just like, I do this, too. I've always had the idea that everyone does podcasts that go, say, two hours or so or an hour or something. If I was I, – I, I thought about the idea of doing something, it would just go, like, ten minutes and just run down results and then get out of your way so so people would give it a try and not – Get, by, get intimidated by, by a long podcast, but it, it just it just hasn't come, come together at this point. You can add that to the podcasting network. Yeah. yeah. By the way, the original when I originally pitched this podcast to you, I think I said like no show will go longer than thirty minutes, which we uh, <laughs> which obliterated. I think episode one, and certainly certainly last week when we went almost three hours. But what are you going to do? Yeah, you I, paid the price. I don't think a single podcast has gone up to 30 minutes. Even, even the one where you had like five different guests, you had, I think some of those went over 30 minutes. Yeah. Maybe the, when I just recapped the Hogan those best, I remember that show was really big in Singapore. It was our most popular show for a while. Yes. It was like attached to some app. I don't know, something like that, but we just got, um, I don't know. I, I like it when my stats work a lot, but worked a lot better because I could see those weird things where just you, the podcast be linked to some on some random portal, and all of a sudden people from some strange country were all listening to it for some reason. Hey, this is excellent. <laughs> of course, they were listening because it was an awesome podcast. Hmm. Absolutely, thank you, Singapore. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap it up here. As I said, go visit the uh, the Lucha blog. Give. Give some Lucha a try if you want to watch something new, if you're just tired of just what's on TV. It streams for free on Friday nights. It's a lot of fun. The streams then, are great. And then on Tuesdays, I have a big post of all the Lucha Libre that aired, and then I post it all on YouTube. So if you don't even want to wait for Friday, you can always go to the Lucha Blog YouTube channel and find and just click to some random match and you'll find something good there. You'll find some some Smurfs wrestling occasionally, but you'll also find <laughs> some good stuff too. Absolutely. Are you going to be on uh, Figure Four Daily next week? I don't know. You know, the process for me getting booked on Figure Four Daily is me hearing my name mentioned, and then maybe two <laughs> days beforehand, someone actually asked me if I want to do it. So we'll, we'll find out next week, I guess. Well, we scooped him already, so he shouldn't even bother. Did were you going to be on MLW Radio? I heard them I, I kind of mention you. I, I I haven't listened to them in a couple of weeks, but I was asked while I was in Mexico City, and actually, it was a good thing I did not accept because that was the day I came home and was not feeling so well. But I, I think it probably it, I, I was asked, and um, I, I was and. Jack Evans, of all people, tried to make the case for me to go on the thing, but I just don't didn't think it would work out too well, and actually would because of other reasons it would not have worked out too well. But I appreciate every time they mention me, even when they mention sure. me badly, it's 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 nice. Even when they get you confused with other people, yeah, I think you're a composite of like five other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was the highlight of that was one of the highlights of going to Mexico City is that I could prove that I was not Rob and Rob was not me. <laughs> there you go. You were in the same room at the same time. Yes. Okay. It's amazing. All right. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Just cross the hour mark a little bit. Not too long. I uh, want to thank the Cubs fan for being on. And we should be back next week. We're going to do try the retape for 1995 Part 1. We're splitting it in two because I just can't go through that again. And believe me, as you approach the near three-hour mark, you're losing steam pretty fast. So can hopefully I, that will all work out. Can I say one more thing? Oh, of course you can. Can I thank you for doing the podcast for so long and bringing it back and actually still doing it on my side of all sites that doesn't get up, updated more than, like, once every month? Where else am I going to go? It, it's pretty, no one's beating down my door with offers. I, I, I'm, I'm shocked that people aren't beating down your door with offers because you've done an excellent job for six and a half awesome. years. Going the years you weren't doing it, you were still extremely popular. And I know. I don't – I. Honestly, don't get it sometimes, but hey, whatever floats your boat. The best thing about when I did the when I used to update the Cubsfan.com is I had a ton of excellent people who have writing stuff for me for whatever reason, and I think all of them have gone on to do great big things that 
I am no way responsible for it, but it was really it's cool to come go back every so often and see the people who thought it was a good idea send stuff for, to me and have me post it up and and remember remember those times. So thank you right. for seventy one episodes. This is wow, like, hopefully this is like when people go on Colt's podcast and tell him how awesome he is. <laughs> and he gets annoyed. It's exactly like that. <laughs>